Ahoy! Welcome aboard to the SS Miracle Nutrition. Set sail with me now as we explore the sea. I had to, I had to grasp for the word. What are we doing? We're exploring a sea and uh, in a boat, in a ship. And we get together every week like we're going on a cruise. Oh my goodness. Fellow passengers. Fellow travelers. Oh, Bolson. Yes, Captain. I think we are phasing in and out of different realities. Okay. For instance, take this cruise ship we man. Yes, Captain. There seems to be celebrities who board this cruise multiple times under assumed aliases, and each time they live different lives and have different backgrounds. But I am 100% sure they're actors. It's the same person. Um, for instance, Captain. For instance, Tom Bosley, a.k.a. Harry Meacham, a.k.a. George Hammond, a.k.a. Herbert Chandler, a.k.a. Howard Pfister. I see. Oh, or Louis Nye, a.k.a. Barney Briscoe, a.k.a. Fred Peters, a.k.a. Glenn Dobson, a.k.a. Roger Garrett. Very interesting, Captain. Or Bert Convey, a.k.a. Ted Miller, a.k.a. Danny Holt, a.k.a. Gary Michaels, or is it Harry Fletcher? Oh, hello, Harry. Oh, no, I'm Josh Atkins. You're mistaken. I see, Captain. So... So, if each of these lives is real, what's going on? I imagine we're trapped in a very limited reality, Captain. More like a TV show than a dream. Oh, Gotha. Uh, yes, Captain? I want you to be on the lookout for a very special VIP passenger. Uh, what's his name, sir? Adolf Hitler. Adolf Hitler. Correct. All right. I want you to treat him like royalty because he's marrying my mother. Uh, Adolf Hitler is marrying your mother? Yes. Uh, I didn't know that Hitler was still with us. Not that Adolf Hitler, you imbecile. Good Lord. Uh, sorry, of course. Well, what does this one look like so I can look out for him? He looks like Phil Silvers, but grafted to his neck is the head of Milton Berle. Ah, much like Ray Milan and Rosie Greer, who were on our ship last week. Yes, yes, very much like that. A two-headed celebrity who happens to be my future stepfather. So no mistakes, Ensign's purser assistant Smith Jr. Roger, Captain. Roger? I mean, aye, aye, sir. Dismissed, Mr. Smith. Go fur. Boom, 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 boom.
There's a lot of stories. In the love boat city. I'm going to add it. I should just do the words and then add the music afterwards. I will do that. And so, there are many stories in the love boat city. Not a city. It is a little city. It's a floaty city or a floating city. And there are so many sordid tales. It's a little floating Babylon, Hollywood Babylon. And yet, it's also got a casino and swimming pools and a steam room and open fireplaces. It doesn't have that, probably. It might. Who knows? If it's a steel ship, what's going to burn? Just the passengers. Listen. I'm here to tell you that not all love boats are all love boat and fairy tales. Some of them have grim outcomes, and I'm here to tell you one such story involving a celebrity couple from back in the day. They were a, sort of a celebrity power couple and engaged. He was a famous character actor. He'd been in a lot of great movies, and she was the first self-described first female cruise director on a cruise ship. And they hooked up, and he was a little older than she, and they both got on this cruise, but only one of them got off. Not really. He died in his apartment. But in a way that is graphic, he was engaged in some sort of adult undertaking that would involve someone else helping him. A little bit. And it was creative and wonderful and played on the emotions, both positive and negative. I don't want to go into it. Children listening. But his fiance was one Geraldine Saunders, who from her experience as the first female cruise director wrote a little, little book called, the, how little was it? I don't know. Called It wasn't like Alan Moore's Jerusalem. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. A little book called The Love Boats. Describing all the kind of uh, behavior that she witnessed. That makes it sound pathological, but it is some of it. Behavior she witnessed on the so-called love boats. And so it was go on to inspire the creation of the popular 70s television and 80s, into the 80s television show, The Love Boat. And um, what an interesting... I remember it was a very popular show, and I want to say a lot of things about it. The actor who died was Albert Decker, by the way. So I'm pitching that as... I'm doing some fan fiction for a love boat, but there's a murder every week. Wouldn't that be fantastic? Here's my pitch. Bring back the love boat so they have all these celebrities, recognizable celebrities from TV and everything, what, what young Sheldon and whatever have you. And here's the catch, though. Every week there's a murder. It can still be fun and funny, but every week there's a murder. It's called the love boat, but see now it's 2020-something, and it's a murder all the time. So And then they solve it because we love detective things like Murder Country and all that are on the TV now. And so, uh, and it'd be, be kind of campy and fun. And you'd know it was good if observational stand-up comics you hate would point out that it's absurd that there's a murder every week on the cruise ship. You know, you know have you seen this? this? 
cruise ship where there's a murder every week and they don't figure out not to go because they keep going on this murder. They did that to murder, she wrote. If there's a murder in the town every week, where are the people coming? It's a device, man. Just be, be calm. Have you seen the Three Stooges every week? They're a different thing and then we're supposed to buy that? It's a, just a device to, to tell a story. And I don't know if you noticed it, but sometimes they're just if a, uh, one of these series is on long enough, one of these every single person on TV kind of series, then it's going to be, you know, there's going to be a couple of people that play multiple characters. Like Burt Convy's going to be on seven times playing seven people with seven cats and seven sacks. And they all threw it over the side of the love boat. How many sacks does Burt Convy have? So nowadays, we, we update this. There's going to be, Johnny Pemberton is going to be on like six times, being six different people. So that's what I'm just saying. So now, listen, so there's a murder every week and they solve it. Now I'm going to pitch some ideas for that. Now there's, a, this is why it's another great show. There's, it's a vignette show. So there's three different streams, right, going. It's like Love American Style. They stole it from that. And, and Fantasy Island. So there's really like three different stories. So you get all these celebrities on, and then there's three different filming units. Did you know that? So there's three different directors, three different writers, three different stories. So if one of them sucks, maybe the other one is going to be good, right? It's like, oh, Stort Margolin is directing Larry Storch. How can this fail? So the other one over here, you know, if this one isn't going so well, you go, well, that saved the episode. And then... I don't even know if the crew has to show up for each one. You know, maybe Steubing's only in one of them. And I don't know who the captain would be now. There's lots of, so many fun pe people. The, the Ted Lasso fellow would be great. But anyway, I'm not here to cast that. I don't even care. I would prefer, you know, that somebody else do that because I'm not in the, none of this is real. Because I'm not in the, I just live, I live in a basement. So probably a lot of this is not going to happen. It's a little discouraging that there are some people who live in basements now who, who really are, are politically influential. And I'm not one of those, though, I'm afraid. But I'll tell you what, I'm sending out love on this little boat. Oh, what's my little boat is barely a boat. It's just some paper that's set afloat. I pushed it out there, and now I don't care. And now my butt's bare because I lowered my pants. I'm taking a chance that this boat right here will be the... I'm making this up as I go along. That fantastic. I had some tea. So the love boat's going to set sail. Who solves it? Does the captain solve it? I say no, because the captain is busy. If I, I read a Rufus King novel in the 30s, there's a murder on a boat. It's called Murder by Latitude. And uh, they're sailing from Bermuda. And every chapter is a different different coordinates and it's actually kind of fun because they go off course and that's part whoops I'm, i've spoiled it but um anyway the captain is not the one investigating the crime there just so happens to be a cop on board so i don't know how to do this one i'm thinking maybe the ship's doctor is got that father brown uh problem and it really is it really is a psychological condition because when other TV shows have dealt with it, you know, Father Brown's not lovable. Why is he interfering in, in these investigations? And you say, well, you're not objecting to the fact there's a murder every week in his small town. You're the bad stand-up observational comedian that you fear that you are. Am I? So here's how the love boat would go. And, the, and 
Is it nostalgia if you, if you hate and resent something that you were exposed to as a child? I don't feel like that. Like, oh, I have nostalgia for my, my, you know, religious people who hurt me. No. I don't think that's so. And I don't think it's true for, for television shows. And say, like, how can you, bl don't blame, you're blaming others for your problems. You're bl blaming people who program television for your problems. I don't know. I mean, it's a cigarette company lung cancer thing. Are, are they culpable? And I don't know. There's never been a clash action suit against Love Boat or one of them, but I'd love to see if it, how, if it has legs. What would you sue them for? I don't know. You know, in the, in the 80s, there was a murder in uh, Florida. And the, one of the defense was, I ate too much candy bars or something like that. How about that? And um, I don't, the lawyer went on to run for office. That's how famous the case got. He got, like, famous off of being this lawyer who was horrible enough to say, the kid can't be convicted for killing this old lady because he had too many candy bars. And you know what they do. Oh, and I think it was in combination with television. And they really are a lethal combination, but I'm not sure if they absolve you from murder. I've never been driven to murder. I have maybe mild self-harm from, from uh, Love American Style or something, but that's about it. You know what uh, made us debut as a skit on Love American Style was uh, Happy Days. So you can blame that. Has anything spun off a love boat? No, not anything you'd want to get back. Just stuff that was cast into the ocean like that. Um, let's, have, let's hook up Christy McNichol and Scott Bale. That would be good. You can see now how, see how what they did to everybody. And I don't, I don't know who's who's to blame really, but it's it's just icky. There's an icky. I got it. My icky detector goes off, and I go, "Oh, this is icky." I feel like there was icky people in the room, thinking icky things, and I don't know. I can't put my finger on it, and I wouldn't want to, but I think they would, and I, maybe that's the problem. There's just something something wrong with it all. And uh, the point of these cruises, well, yours is murder. I mine's all done ironically. But really, let's see. I don't. I don't like or approve of these pleasure cruises. Um, I always. I'm from the story tradition where man, people should always. The human should always be punished for taking on, for having hubris in the face of of nature or something like that. We're gonna set to set sail in a boat out to sea. You know. I always think, well, if you survive it, that was luck, and it's true. Eventually, um, you know, it goes down. So, uh, just how many times you go across? I've made many sea voyages and have never sunk. Who said that? The Astors. So, I don't know. Maybe they did it, maybe they didn't. But it, it is like, you know, flying and everything. Eventually, at some point, you know, it is. We, we're so arrogant. doesn't mean we shouldn't do it, I think. But um, I got, occasionally, I go to the moon. Just for vacation. And you go, that's kind of risky, you know. Go, you know, if you don't take risks... And I feel maybe don't go down in a homemade sub. That might be the might be the thing. Oh my goodness! Every time I make like a hoagie at home, I call I say the phrase homemade sub and I shiver. So I try not to use that word. And I know it's 
Is it? Now, is the sandwich a submarine sandwich or a submersible sandwich? I've never figured that out. Is it submariner, submariner? What is it? What do you call the sandwich? Oh, my goodness. And uh, that Subway, if they lived in it, if Subway was started in Philly, it would be Hoagie Way. I don't know if you know that. And that's funny because that's what they call their public transport is the Hoagie Way there. And uh, they don't say it that that. They add about three or four more vowels in the middle of Hoagie, which I don't know how they do it. How yeah. Um, you know who might have been from Philadelphia is Yogi Bear's um, sidekick. Is that Boo Boo? I feel like I feel I hear some Philadelphia, Baltimore, maybe a little bit of vowel formation in Boo Boo. Does anybody here know Boo Boo? I pretend I'm in a studio full of people. Hey, you're not a lonely per. This isn't a basement with just you in it. It's not. It's a, it's a whole studio. And you're like, just like one of those folks that's on them when you're driving and they're on the radio and they're, they're, they're kibitzing with other people in the... There's one radio could hire other people to... Turn, now you got to turn your own knobs. The way radio works now is that I think people, like, they key card into a completely empty building and they walk into a room and they push a button and if anything goes wrong, they get on and they go, you know... This is a reverse... I don't know what they do, but they're there just in case. But everything else, I think, is just automated, which isn't terrible. Because, uh, you know, there was so much used to get, even college stations now have decided to go fully automated with AI voices. Because so this college kids don't know what they're doing. And a lot of times they're not real smooth or anything. And it's, it's just easier to have a computer do it and have the um, kids do more clerical stuff. Also, the computers can, can be a liaison to the different record labels. I don't know if it still works that way. But uh, when I was in college radio, the way it would work is they would send um, uh, gifts or, or sometimes p people who were supposed to, um, I don't know, entertain you or something. I don't know. And they said, and, uh, and it, was very, it was interesting. And then you decide based on like how good the party was, sort of what song. Man, the Nirvana party was really good. And the, um, and the young people they sent. So play, we're going, we'll play the record, play the record. So the record gets played, and then it makes history. And um, no, that's pay. Is that payola? That, payola ruined a lot of words that end with ola, I imagine. I mentioned Crayola was going, what the hey? What the hey? We didn't do anything. And I think that's like the... Um, the Watergate is a, was a hotel. I don't know if they're still called that, but they were probably not a hotel or apartment. I don't know. Well, you could rent rooms there. It was um, it was a no-tell motel maybe, but it was called the and they're scandalized. Then you use your name for like that'd be terrible. The whole time Howard Johnson's was in business, they're thinking, please God, no one do anything out of Howard Johnson's. Um, and I don't know that it ever happened. There was no scandal called that. We have, uh, we used to have a lot of motel chains, and I think we still do, but I thought we'd always have the same number of motel chains as airlines. And now we don't, I don't think. But listen, what we don't have are, are boats, large boats that you could travel. Everybody is saying, oh, planes are for commuting are ridiculous. Got to get cars off the highway. It's wrecking the environment. 
trains, high-speed trains. Hear me out. High-speed boats. Listen, we got river systems in this country that we used for commerce for a long, long time, and they are connected, most of them, and work really well. Why not high-speed boat? Well, there's not. Why? Don't tell me why not. Make a list of the things that are holding us back, and we'll eradicate them. And I think we get on a boat. Uh, when I was in, you can take on the River Thames, one of them Uber boats. They've got these boats that go down slowly. You wait there, I don't know, hour, two hours. Get on one of these, and people commute this way. And it'll take you one, two, three bridges or more. I don't know, maybe even farther than that. Um, if you scan your card wrong, they have to take you into the sea. Isn't that crazy? That's bad for the other passengers. Because uh, the thing is going to then has to turn around and come back. But most people just go, I'm going to go down to Blackfriars because that's where I ha that's where I street perform. And so, and then I come back every day to my, my little house. I live in the, this is crazy, but when the London Eye shuts down, those are all little apartments. And uh, I live in one of those. I feel bad for the people who get stuck up top because then the bathroom is like down in that little park. And um, I usually only have to jump like 20, 30 feet, clamber back up. And you learn to, eventually you learn to bring a container to, to wee into and then take it with you when you leave. Or just leave it for the tourists to sort of mess with them. They don't know. They think that's just uh, what they call British customs, which uh, we know all about. If you're an old timer from the Beverly Hillbillies. We didn't have, when I was coming up, we didn't have Rick Steves. So if the Brady Bunch didn't go there on vacation, it was a mystery. We didn't, I don't know that place. So maybe one of the shows will go there and they can show you around and everything. And then I think they just, it's so easy for them because they, they can take the crew or they could also just do stock footage. I think the Brady Bunch took them all to Hawaii and that all seems, always seemed fishy to me, like it was a contract thing. Like, I want more. Everybody wanted more, and they go, look, shut up. What about this? We shoot a couple episodes in Hawaii. Hawaii, Hawaii. And they all agreed. And then they go there, and and, um, and Vincent Price is just coincidentally there because he's buying art. He's buying precious art. And he's a friend of Don Ho. I don't know why he was there, but he, they paid him to come. It was great, and you learn about travel and culture and everything. Like, don't steal. All the tiki stuff is their religion. So don't make a bar, I guess. I don't know. They didn't say that explicitly, but I was thinking that. Afterwards, you go, is this, people go, I brought you a little something for your bar. And you go, oh, Christ, it's the thing that, that Greg almost got Greg killed because he took it out of Vincent Bryce's art cave. Now, Vincent Price is a very interesting man, as you know. Um, P-flag parent, art collector, good dude. Um, and he uh, appears as a menacing figure in so many things. And yet, he is a, a good sweet person in real life.
Conversely, I seem good and sweet, and yet in real life I write dark uh, love boat fan fiction, and I uh, I lurk. Where do I lurk? I lurk. I lurk. No, I just lurk during the day, usually around streams and everything. I am I'm like a yokai or something, but I'm just have an interest in water and the watershed and everything like that. It's a I think old people start getting outside of themselves and you know, why are you watching birds? Because I don't want to watch myself anymore. I'm not doing it much. You know, there's so many more interesting things that I want to see. And I was so focused on looking at my own navel, both literally. We got a lot of navel gazers today, except what they're looking at today is like, that's too much body fat. They're not, na they're not, Here's where the origin of the term comes from. You look at your navel and you're encountered, you encounter a chicken and the egg paradox. So you see your own umbilical cord uh, connected to another human being. Where's theirs come from? And it just takes you into infinity, right? You say, what, what, what's our origin? So staring at your navel meant uh, to, you know, maybe sit in, uh, repose, meditational repose, looking down like you're staring at your navel, but also the navel being uh, not only your your dantian, the the center of your your center of gravity, your center of your your chi, but it's also the part where you were plugged in to mama, so that endless uh, recursive plugged into mama paradox is the navel gazing. But then I made a joke of it and said, people now look at their tummies and want them all flat and see the muscle because they've, because that makes them feel, uh, I don't know, it's, a, it's erotic to them, I think is what it is. It's not like, oh, I look, I'm the paragon of health because it doesn't, it's meant to be, you know, looking like a, a statue or a god or something. And the bodybuilding craze began decades, decades ago as a trying to recreate uh, Greek statue ideals and everything. So the proportional ideals have changed because the statues didn't have, you know, their quads weren't big enough or something. But, oh, and their pecs too. I, ooh, I just saw a video on that because uh, bodybuilders, early days of bodybuilders, people didn't emphasize their pecs as much because those old statues don't have really big exaggerated chests. Um, so people just had giant arms and stuff. Um, and now we were going for the giant everything. And, uh, so you stare at your stomach and you say, I'm dissatisfied by the percentage of body fat that's there. Oh my goodness. I'm not blaming you. That's fine. But there comes a time and you go, oh boy, I'm bored with that. And, uh, also I don't, that's nothing anybody wants to look at. So I will look up into the stars or I will look uh, across the horizon and I will find something like a beautiful stream or a brook and I will imagine on it a tiny boat, a love boat and little people on it and they're having little experiences. Sometimes they're birth, uh, joyous events, uh, marriages, other times they're murders and deaths and grieving all on this little boat. And who is captaining this boat? 
Oh, it is you, my friend. You are the captain of this so-called love boat. No, not this one. Let me get back to my fan fiction, because it really is good, I think. And it is, uh, you know, it's, it's campy, it's funny, but it's also a condemnation of certain values that I think that are espoused by the original love boat, like this authoritarianism and everything, the captain and oh, ship needs this order. And any kind of episodes that challenge that, they had a college student on. She was an anarchist and she influenced Gopher and he got all independent and he thought he was a, a human and a person and he wanted to vote. And they poo-pooed it. And they said, that's not how ships work. You know, this is a, a, this is a hierarchy. And then he was like, you're right. I'm sorry. I was like, I went temporarily crazy. And that's the episode. So, you know, don't tell me they're not saying something. Absolutely are. Star Trek used to do this too. You know, what do you get the real, it's the real liberation is rank. <laughs> not you hippies uh, just, you know, rolling around on poisonous grass. So I made, I loved how they made acid, literal acid. You know, oh, there's acid on this planet and it's burning them. That's a Star Trek. Go on, look at all this. Oh, what is this? Hardy, what are you telling me about the culture? Oh, my goodness. They, uh, are you saying children's shows and sitcoms are, are like propaganda? Everything that's within a culture is, is, a, is propaganda for it, usually. So examine it. It reflects it. It reflects the values. And the, the thing that's creep about a Love Boat is it re reflects a sort of hedonistic liber uh, libertine uh, values of the 70s where people got uh, very cynical and they were like forget and they you know just took a lot of drugs and had a lot of sex and everything and just threw off the yoke of conventional morality but when you do that you sometimes you toss out good things too and then you just descend into a you know Boschian hellscape but that's fun it can be fun I'm not poo-pooing it. And in fact, should you put it down, you are seen as a, a preaching moralist or anything like that. It's great. Go on. Destroy lives with your for-profit disco. But um, I love dance. Love dance music. Not saying that. Oh my goodness. The last thing I want to do is burn Bee Gees records. They're treasures. We're all blessed. Um, but oh my goodness. So many have fallen uh, victim to these, uh, to just the love boat, basically. So come on, pursue all this. But the love boat can be, there's so much more to, to, to do. For instance, get off on the port of call and don't get back on. And then go learn something about the culture and also, you know, the geography and geology of the area. Let the boat sail on. Let it pump its raw sewage into the pristine Caribbean or the Pacific or wherever. I don't even, that was a Pacific cruise they were doing. Mine would be, let's do this one in the Caribbean. It's better. Because then I feel like uh, the people could be sassier in the ports of call. And we could get something a little grittier going, right? Um, my grandparents, when I was nine, the cruise went to Haiti. And that is, uh, you know, it was life-changing. Say, well, this is, something's wrong here. I, mean, I was very young, and I realized something's, this, this, is, this is the world. 
So that's a very young age. And then that's the point I was like, I would really like to be, I think, a cloistered religious person. And believe me, I did decide that at about that age. I go, you know what? I think I'd like to live in a cave. I'll pray and everything. And I'll be very, I will send out my energy into the world uh, powerfully. But oh my goodness, is there any way I could get a note where I don't have to, I could just do the cave thing. Uh, that's a strange thought to have, I think, as a young person looking back. Uh, but now, and I've never, it's not a tragedy, I've never found my cave. The, the basement, it's not, it's a daylight basement, so it's not even a basement, which is good because I live in a bad radon area. Oh my goodness. I've developed also an interest in what's under my feet. And that reminds me of a funny story. When I was watching television as a child, there was a, some kind of religious program, and it was called Lamp Unto My Feet. And I thought they were saying lamp under my feet. And, well, you know, God is a lamp unto my feet. Oh, that's nice. Your feet don't really need lights, your eyes. But, but I thought it was saying there's a lamp under my feet. And that creates a poetic image when you mishear something. Oh, it's a blessing. It's a blessing to mishear something and have it create a concrete, absurd image that you can then latch onto and interpret. And so I've been walking on lamps my entire life and trying to figure out what it means. And I love that. And I want to bring you with me. But I, when I say I have an interest in what's under my feet, I mean geology-wise. I live in uh, Lexington, Kentucky, which has a very interesting geology realm, something called Lexington Limestone. It's nice to have a lot of times these rocks and all have local names. And, um, you know, Jersey City, I'm sure, has a... We're on a layer of Jersey City rock, and then Jersey City rock number two is under that. I mean, that's how they work. So, um, Lexington Limestone. But we have... A karst uh, geology, which means you got a lot of caves and little pockets in there. And occasionally, there's cave-ins, sinkholes. And the ground will open up and, and swallow mainly people who are telling fibs. Like if you're, in the, if you're, in the, if you're mid-sentence saying something really stupid, a lot of times the ground here in Kentucky will swallow you up. And it's just sort of tradition. And um, you don't know, oh, my house isn't on one. Well, I checked. They got maps. So I was looking around saying, where is the? Where is it really likely to happen? And they all say, oh, Louisville. So uh, bless you, Western Kentucky. Uh, there is a half a chance you're going to get swallowed up by the earth. So straighten up and fly right. But around here, I didn't see anything too bad. Now, I know there is water flowing underground. But there is. And uh, there's also some buried streams. Not to the extent of London, but there's old rivers underground. And oh, underground, underground, it inspired Neil Gaiman to write a story called Underwear, where he thinks, oh, there's under, you know, what are they doing under there? And then someone said, underwear? And Neil Gaiman went, I bet there's a whole city and stuff under London, like an under London. Um, an under London's great because it's, that's what you wear when you don't want to get any poo or anything on your regular dress London. And uh, he came up with that idea. But I think it's been in mythology since Kentucky. 
because we've had have caves here and people have fallen in them in the past. And one time in the uh, late, this area was settled in the um, 1780s, 17, by 1790s, people had little taverns and everything. We're getting drunk and telling lies. And this fellow was in this area, which is now a subdivision, very nice subdivision, built on a very famous cave system. And it's a wonderful lot. One of the homeowners will get to see it and live in there, apparently, at some point, And no one knows who. But uh, someone fell into one in the past, he said, and there was uh, mummies of giants. Now, there's been all this rumor that there's giants, Native American giants, I think Adena culture, uh, you know, that the mound builders here um, were giants and that their mummies are in the cave system. And so I've raised millions of dollars to just rip op- just rip Kentucky open and let's have a look inside. Let's rip, I uh, bought whole subdivisions. I'm going to just tear the first layer off, see what's in there. Let's look down in there. No, I don't know. Let's just use our imaginations. Um, we can put something darker than that, though, than giants... Uh, mummies of giants and that would have been nice of always be very slow moving um, giraffe looking folk would have been pretty that's like avatar maybe they know something but i don't i imagine i don't know we're i'm thinking brown like a brown that's the color of most humans average um there's a spectrum of human color but and we should gosh i wish people were popping out some primary ones that'd be beautiful we call people that but they're not they're you know they're all we're all earth tones kind of but i think if there were human beings that were truly like a primary color that would pop i don't know if whether that's a i know there were so there's a couple times of blue people there's smurfs who aren't real there's people that take too much silver um call blob something and um thinking it's going to help them they turn blue and there's also the blue fugates of kentucky who have a condition where the, the, the because of their veins or something i don't it has to do with oxygen <clears throat> in their blood and their veins close to the surface or something make their skin look bluish so that's another way of being blue how can you be crimson red i don't know that would just a whole just super high blood pressure I'm thinking, uh, just really frustrating, paranoid political beliefs. But that doesn't get you real. That's more like a pink or something like that. And um, green, even Spock. Spock had green blood coursing through his veins. But you'd have to turn that, you'd have to turn the saturation up on your color television set very, very high to see that his skin was green. It wasn't obviously green like the other lady that um, Captain Kirk had relations with. She was a greener color, but that might just have been paint that was um, lapis lazuli based or something. I don't know how they did it back in the day. That's the funny thing. A lot of that science fiction was done in uh, olden times. And they were using, for effects, they were using little plastic toys and everything. They didn't have computers. They didn't have, now we have real aliens who were insistent on being in stuff, and I don't blame them. It's silly to have a human play something that uh, uh, a Zabazanoid could play. And uh, 
I love it. I love that. I, I love that there's different types of being alive. It doesn't give me any anxiety or anything. It helps me lose myself. I feel like my individuality sometimes is burdensome. Oh, we got to be Hardy White. Who's Hardy White? Oh, I don't know. You figure it out. Figure it out? I can't. How am I supposed to? It's just, you know, context. Listen, I feel uh, most at home when I'm just being uh, kind of ordinary human, doing something that ordinary humans doing, just sitting there drawing or whittling or just losing myself, not having to kind of almost forgetting what my name is. Just like being one of the trees in the forest. There's no tree in the forest screaming, I'm Hardy, call me Hardy. I don't care. Well, how, how are they going to yell, get out of the way? They can yell, get out of the way. You don't have to use a name or anything. But that's just me, maybe. A lot of people love an identity and being somebody and, I, I don't know how to do it, really, very much. And so I like the those kind of feelings of uh, just not having, I don't not being a follower, but not being a leader either, just that kind of existing together. There's lots of those moments in life. I think that's why people like to go to pubs and everything, just people sitting around drinking or eating together. That feels the best. And there's no kings or peasants or anything just people eating their sandwiches and i feel that way with this show sometimes you know you and i probably don't have a lot in common and yet you'll listen to me and i think that just means that you're curious and that you would also stare at you know a traffic accident or your neighbors hanging something weird in the window it's just wanting to know it's not a bad it's a wonderful way to approach the world and it's a, also a patience with other human beings, understanding that we come from all different places and have all different experiences. And then we're all thrown together on this love boat. Because what the love boat also symbolizes, this is why people, the passengers can't be totally blamed. It's because they, they crave something. They crave love. They crave uh, adventure, that's one of the romance, you know, they crave looking out at the vast ocean and, and realizing, you see, when you're on a boat like that, the idea of floating alone in a vast universe is so much more tangible because now you can see it represented in a scale that is understandable. You say, I'm on a boat, that is earth. The ocean is the universe. It is vast. I can't see the ends of it. The ocean is a great stand-in. And so everyone gets on that boat with wonderful expectations, the same we have for our lives. When we leave that dock, we get on the love boat and say, I am getting on this boat with this expectation of being loved, of finding a connection, finding somebody. Feeling love, feeling pleasure. I'm forgetting who I am. So many of the stories on that show are about people with different identities or pretending to be someone else for a while. Rubbing shoulders with people who are in different social classes, or economic classes. Everyone just having a little bit of hope. You know? It's kind of stripping down until you take that, that bathing suit on and, and we all get closer to being... The same, except some of us are 
un unbelievably hot, but they work out because they're actors. Or, or uh, I don't know, you know, people now. My goodness. Everybody works out. I was, I, I saw a billionaire, I'm not going to say which one, and it's all, and there's more than one, and they're all, they're ripped. And I go, what are you wasting time? Like, you know, I don't understand. Like, why do you, <laughs> you literally do not have to look good or even really feel good. And that doesn't feel good to get really, like, when you work out enough that you, to look like uh, Wolverine, it's a pain in the butt. It doesn't, I've tried it. It's hard. And it's rough on your body. There's something in between, you know. There's something, just looking like George Burns or something your whole life. That's the way to make it to 100. So, uh, you know, we all get on the boat with these expectations, how our lives are going to turn out. And um, I'm not sure the captain can represent a couple things, you know. it's uh, He's sort of... Uh, he's not God because he's not detached, you know. I think maybe God is the owner of the ocean liner or something. And uh, Captain Steubing is our, uh, that's our government. We want to be looked over, lorded over. We want to a parent, you know, and we project that onto our, our politics and everything because we want some sort of judge. We want somebody who can sort things out or bring justice or give us direction or tell us what to do, you know, leave us mostly alone, but then say, you know, do this, do that, and uh, have some sort of authority. Oh, the love boat. We're on it. We're sailing it through space. Sail aboard for adventure. You're fine. You're going to find romance. The love boat promising somebody else's pants. The love boat, we will get on it like so many ants. And it topples and teeters, it sinks to the bottom of the sea. The love boat uh, is a very interesting experience. And now we're come almost going to be ashore, but not. Not yet, though. There's still interesting things to happen. There's been a murder. One of the passengers, a Mr. Roger Carmenson. Lester Carmenson. Pardon me. Uh, Mr. Lester Carmenson, who is played by... Maybe somebody from... Welcome back, Carter, or something. I don't know. No, again, we can't cast, especially people who are deceased. Come on, Hardy, think. So, this person is found dead, and they're dead. It doesn't need to be. Do we need to cast them? Yes. Well, why? I'm going to give you a couple examples. And, this, and in this case, I'm going to link a couple things. One is, I'm going to link the uh, Burt Lancaster movie, The Killers, to Twin Peaks, to Sunset Boulevard. So what they have in common, what really Twin Peaks and Sunset Boulevard the most, is that they open with the corpse. So you, the, you see the corpse, 
And then the corpse is like, you're probably wondering how I got here, which is the Sunset Boulevard one because it's an absurd, surrealist comedy. Whereas Twin Peaks is just slightly less of an absurd, surrealist comedy. Isn't that funny? But it's not as overt. So, uh, but they both open like that. But also the killers opens with Bert Lancaster being killed. And then you wonder, why did Cannon kill him? And then you find out. So it's all done in the flashbacks. That's a brilliant film. And the other two are, are great, too. So uh, we see this in my Love Boat episode. There's a dead body. That's why we can make it a celeb. That's all I'm saying. You don't have to cast an unknown. It's not just the body. So then we're going to do it in flashbacks. It's like, does anybody remember blah, 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 coming aboard? And then blah, 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 blah. And then they do remember so-and-so coming aboard. I can't tell you one television actor right now, isn't that? I know I see them. I'm just, I'm blanking on names. Alan Richter, is that his name? The Reacher guy? It's him. That's a big body they would have. You know he's only 6'2". I, I don't know. I mean, I was really disenchanted when I thought, thought oh, he's 6'5 or something. No, the character is 6'5". It's just all done with angles. They trick you. But they find the corpse. Now, how did that happen? Whatever. And they try to figure out who was seen with them. Now, Doc is doing this, and he, uh, you know, he asks people and uh, surreptitiously doesn't want to give away that he's, you know, he's trying to solve a murder or anything. So he goes around asking people. And um, uh, then it turns out, um, I don't want to get into the other vignettes. So maybe I should just forget about that. But this, so for just this murder one, they're not all about murder. But this one is. And so then we see that um, that people are coming by. Uh, you know, he's observing the cabin. And he noticed that a couple of people will come by and sort of knock on it and then, and then leave. So he's like, somebody knows this guy. And he starts following those individuals. And then he sees that all those individuals know each other and are at the same bingo game. And, but they don't seem, they seem to pretend like they don't know each other, but it's just too much of a coincidence. So he starts to think, well, was this dead individual at the bingo game? And they all knew him from there. And then it just, go, it goes on like that. And he investigates a little more. And uh, I don't want to, if I give you the ending, then I've given away my product. How am I going to sell it? That's the thing when I do these, like I say, oh, I've got this great pitch, but I need to pitch it. To my uh, Hollywood connections, who do you know out there? Nobody in the nobody in a, in the people tangentially in the business. I think I run it by them, and um, I go, "Is this? What do you think?" And they go, oh, "It's good to hear from you." Um, and then I, I guess if somebody's interested, I go out. I'll move out there. But it. If it's my idea is that it's going to be shot, some of it be shot on location in the Caribbean. So maybe it's an east, this might be a whole east coast thing. And I know this Atlanta is landlocked, but I'd really love to do it there. That's a great place to, I think that'd be a great place to shoot our TV show. Am I getting ahead of myself? I'm all so excited. I just, as I'm on the air, I just wrote my uncle and told him what's going down. I said, I think I'm going to be uh, the creator of the new revived love boat. 
It's called Love and Death Boat. Oh, fantastic. Love and Death Boat. And I am the, I'm not the showrunner because I've never run a show. I'm not, I can't be, they can't technically do that because I've never done anything. So it's going to be like, almost like Mike Judge was when they started, you know, King of the Hill. He's like, I've never done anything. Um, So they bring in somebody else. So in my case, I think it's going to be Mark Frost, who's 80. No, he's not. He's younger than that. But I, may, I don't know who's going to, they're going to bring in to work with me because I've never done it. I can't even type. So I don't know how I'm going to get a lot of it put down. I just tell people. So I would say, bring the writers to me and some tea and some gum or whatever we need to, to while. Uh, and let's uh, work it out. But you know, I don't need to have a TV show to convey something to you. I can use an existing one. And we can go in and tinker with it in our imaginations. We can journey into our brains together. And we can remake this old sitcom into something useful for us. We can take it and we can make it sort of a framework for... Uh, thought experiments. I'm going to run through different scenarios on this ship. And then, you know, I'm going to extrapolate. What if that's a life? What if I'm talking about a life? You know, what if I'm talking about someone who comes on the uh, a boat and they're lonely or they lack self-esteem or they want some sort of purpose? Well, how do they find it on the boat? And if you figure out how they find it on the boat, maybe you can figure out how you find it in real life. And then you're going to come to me. In weeks, I'm going to hear from people and go, Hardy, I've, uh, shuffleboard is now my, my raison d'etre. Oh, great. That's fantastic. Yeah, I really, you know, they don't play pickleball then. on the. No, they didn't. That was before pickleball. It really was. But I imagine that they they were playing pickleball. All right. And now for me, that's where I find my bliss. Oh, good for you. Bless you so much. And that's directly related to your show. Oh. Fine. I'm not really. You are responsible for that. Not me, though. That is. Uh, I just do the show and bless you. Whatever you get out of it. Um, that's on you. Not on you. That's a terrible way to put it. No, whatever you get out of the show, that is for you to, to get out of there. I hand you a bucket of stuff, and you can sift through it, and you can throw it all away if you like. But I think if you go through it bit by bit, you're going to find something in there you can use. A pen cap. A pen cap. You know, if you found, if you were looking for just the right kind of pen cap, you had lost your pen cap, and your pen was fitting to dry out, and then... I provided a pen cap that was just the right size. Ooh, coincidence. I'm going to hand you a pen cap so that your ballpoint doesn't dry out. How about that? Or it doesn't have to be ballpoint. It could be felt tip. I don't want your tip to dry out. So I, I want uh, to be there for you, always taking you on the love boat, always cruise directing you. You go, come on in, let's cruise. Once you're, once you're cruising on the boat, you don't need to, any kind of other cruising. 
everything everything goes. You can go into just going into the dining room means oh, I'm looking for something. So that's because the whole the whole boat is just people looking for love. You don't have to be uptight. Oh, you don't have to hide. You don't have to hide your love away. And uh, you don't. You can, hey, you can yell, you can shout about it. You can say, I have love. And you can have love in your heart for all sorts of things. doesn't mean to be people or anything. You can say, I love uh, trees. And uh, just they give me a sense of well-being and joy and awe. And they are life-giving. And I love trees. And maybe people think I'm silly. But I could just look around you. You are dependent on them. Uh, they give their lives for you. They sustain you with their nuts and, you know, and their fruit. And I'm telling you, trees are life. And loving them is not dumb. Gonna get, I hate when you get people get propagandized against things that are life-sustaining and that are not even arguably life-sustaining. You know, a trees are not, I'd be nice. You know, man, they're in the Bible. In the Bible, which some of y'all like, they get their own New Year. And everything. trees are like, there's a lot of commandments have to do with, you know, don't F up the, your trees. Here's tree stuff. And I found that way, you know, even uh, there's a thing in the Bible that says um, for when you're planting, uh, the Lord said for a $10 tree, you dig a $100 hole, saith the Lord. If it's not in there, it ought to be. That was my, my it might be my grandfather said that, but he's right. So I try to. I leave a lot of room when I'm planting my trees. I try to dig I try to not just stick things in there. And I don't mind taking an hour to say something very small. And I just took one hour and wasted your time to say this. We are all on a vessel together. We're all on a boat. We're all on a ship. And we're headed somewhere. And while we're on this ship, we are all equals. Because we are all equally vulnerable. And we are all equally headed for a terminal destination. And I will tell you that this is both frightening and liberating. Look around. Feel a camaraderie and a love for those on this boat with you. That's the love I'm talking about. For love for your fellow passenger. Understanding. We all sink and swim together. And there is a one shot at this. Let's make it a beautiful experience for all of you. Let all of us be able to enjoy all the these pleasures that life has and not destroy it for one another. May we all savor the buffet under the ice sculpture. You are listening to Miracle Nutrition on WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope 91.9 in Rockland County and uh, New York City. And online, WFMU.org, worldwide, freeform radio on radio. That you oh, my goodness, freedom. What are you going to do with it? Too many items on the menu. That's what it feels like sometimes. Just get the pancakes. I love you. Thanks for being here.
was a rat.
Hello? Hello? Lewis, is that another crank call? No. I know who it is. 